Today, the church honors the Trinitarian deity, known human word as a kind father, an exemplary son or brother, and as a spirit. Since the spirit is the most elusive person of the Trinity, I'll focus on that. I'd like to talk about the divine spirit with the help of some people whom Sally and I recently met in Cuba. A couple dozen of us met a Cuban organic farmer who had obviously prepared for his U.S. visitors. You could infer what he assumed about us from what he told us good-naturedly. He said, None of us here looks at any of you as objects, but only as subjects. People should be treated as ends rather than as means, he said. Of course, Karl Marx had written about the exploitation of labor by capitalists and died before his disciples hijacked his philosophy and mangled its humanitarian principles. This farmer, anyway, had built into the operation of his farm the elegant premises. Our group seemed impressed and were equally impressed with Hector's wife when she reported her doubt that Hector embraced his philosophy inside the home. We laughed when she said this, and Hector blanched. Treating people as ends rather than as means, as subjects rather than as objects, conveys the same ethical principle as the biblical claim that we are all created, quote, in the image of God. And I find it easy to believe that taking this principle to heart in Cuba, the U.S., or anywhere else in the world may be assisted by the divine spirit of God. Images of Che Guevara were everywhere in Cuba. Sometimes they showed showed him holding a weapon, sometimes not, but always in a beret, a symbol, apparently, of revolution against all that is reactionary, exploitative, and corrupt, and so forth. Gazing at one of his many images, in Havana, I couldn't help recalling when the great U.S. writer Gory Vidal was visiting there and at one moment was introduced to the dashing Shea. Apparently, when Vidal was asked later what he thought of the iconic revolutionary, he said, He's cute. 
Vidal, no surprise, was heaved out of Cuba forthwith. There's nothing like a little humor to derail a revolution a little bit. And I cannot doubt that the Holy Spirit of God comes in the form of a laugh at human self-importance and pretense. One woman in our group was in her late 80s. She was remarkably energetic, optimistic, amiable, and certainly interested in the people and events around her. A nurse and refugee from Austria at the time of the Anschluss, she spoke with a slight German accent still. Only near the end of our trip did a few of us learn that her entire family had been destroyed in German camps. I wondered, where did her energy come from? Christians might say, the Holy Spirit of God. This woman is Jewish. Like other Jews, and non-Christians, she demonstrates that the Holy Spirit is not the exclusive possession of the church. Exclusivity is probably offensive to the Spirit, who seems to want us to push out the boundaries to respect people not like us. Another woman among us was, I would guess, in her later 60s, and she too was very nice. I'm not sure why I was surprised to learn this, but she keeps a loaded gun in her home, even though her son had been killed in a gun accident. When I learned all this, I thought back, as I sometimes do, to when I had worked in a rundown part of a southern city. Sometimes students from a nearby university came through my part of town wearing shirts, encouraging people with slogans to turn in their weapons. I thought there were a lot of weapons out there and it seemed that in these precarious neighborhoods the main question must be who turns theirs in first. The gun matter is apparently settled in law but it is still open as an ethical issue of prudence. Because the gunning of America has brought so much heartache, I wonder if the divine spirit might be calling us to a higher level of safety than it appears we have presently attained. And finally, Concerning the Divine Spirit, 
At about the time we left for Cuba, I learned of the death of a priest who decades ago had been a very close friend. His young life had seemed so auspicious. Despite his painful reticence, he had many talents, was very well educated, and was certainly likable. I thought that someday he would be a leader in our church, but that never happened. In death, he reminds me of a spiritual classic written by George Bernanos, who created a country priest in an obscure, impoverished French village where nothing glamorous ever took place. But the Spirit of God was there, where the people and the priest himself were mostly trying just to live with themselves and each other. The last words of the priest told that grace was everywhere, but the splash and spectacle that we might assume evidences the Spirit's presence were just never apparent. The message, of course, is that what a person does privately, but maybe bravely, is what counts spiritually. Someone tenaciously waging an invisible struggle to break a destructive habit or to put away self-centeredness or grievance in order to reconcile with another is where the spirit is at work in an individual life. Think of those who bear anonymously with the suffering and think of the suffering themselves. All these, the lonely, the anonymous, the invisible, the patient, the privately brave, the persevering, live in the spirit of God, even though they may perceive it not. In sum, here's what matters about the divine spirit. It is there in the large moments of history where respect for all people, the dignity of everyone is sought and honored. It is there for all of us individuals too, anonymously, invisibly, privately. We Christians, we Jews, we Muslims, Sikhs, Hindus, Buddhists, we atheists and agnostics and all of us in this church today. Glamour and spectacle we can get in the theaters. The Spirit of God, however, 
will simply help us come through, which is enough. And we are truly grateful.